Welcome to the WealthStream Podcast. The team at Hightower Great Lakes share their insights and passions for empowering their clients to live their best life. In this energetic podcast, we will take you on a journey to help you navigate your financial future, overcome life's challenges to reach your financial goals, and find the financial clarity you've been searching for. Let's explore the downstream impact of your wealth and what it means to you, your family, and your community to live greater. Hello and welcome to the Wealth Stream with Tim Scannell from Hightower Great Lakes. Tim, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. It's uh, January, beginning of 2022, and it's a new year. So it there's is. always hope, right? Yes. It's got to be better than last year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Now we're going to start off with a positive note. You're, you're covering a lot today. Um, you've got 10 questions that every business owner should think about, right? That's right. So... When we work with business owners, in particular, when we're providing wealth management and you know, we talk about how to transfer assets and protect their assets and charitable giving, um, the topic today is really on what we would call like wealth enhancement, how to make sure that as you exit the business, and this can take a long time to plan for, that you're exiting into financial independence with the greatest opportunity possible to succeed, meaning you know, if we can help enhance the, the amount, the net after-tax money that you get, the value that you sell for, um, you're going to be more financially secure for you, for your family, and for future generations. So that's really what I thought I'd talk about today. And there's really, I think, 10 things that, there's more than 10, but the, it, the podcast would go on forever if I went be expanded beyond <laughs> 10. But these are 10 important things that business owners should be thinking about, I think. Okay. So let's start with number one. Number one. Okay. So the number one thing that people should be thinking about as a business owner is, you know, how, how do you see your involvement in the business changing or evolving in the future? And, you know, I, I say this from experience talking to, you know, many, many, many business owners, working with them on transitions. Oftentimes I call a, a lot of my entrepreneur business owners accidental entrepreneurs because, you know, maybe you were a great electrician, you were working for a firm, you just didn't like the way the company was run or mm -hmm. for any number of reasons, you created your own electrical contracting company and then you grew because you're good and you got referrals and, you know, all of a sudden you're doing everything. And so when you're considering exiting, one of the things you need to really think about is, you know, how is, what's my role going to be when I exit? Should I stay? Should I go? You know, when, et cetera. And like we had done episode, uh, I think 78, where we talked about, you know, valuing your business is certainly about the numbers, but it also, what what is also very important is really what your goals as an owner is. And so how you see your involvement, are you, are you willing and able to stay for a while? Are you really able to mentor people for a while? Um, that's going to be a really big thing to consider. And so you really need to think hard about that um, rather, you know, bef well before you're planning on selling. Mm -hmm. All right. That makes sense. So number two. You know, what is the next great adventure you want to have once you leave your business? And this sounds maybe like it's not as critical, but I actually would maybe even move this up to number one because I I find that a lot of business owners I work with, you know, their social circle, their identity is the business, mm -hmm. is their team, is their clients. Um, and unless you have a really clear idea of, or at least pointing in the right direction of, what you want to do once you exit, 
uh, it, it can go really bad. You know, in other words, you can be financially prepared and financially able to retire to exit. You have more than enough money than you need. But if you don't know what you're going to do, you know, I have had people just watch too much TV or think they can golf all the time, or you really need to think hard about, you know, where do I want to be? What do I want to do uh, once I exit? And one of the things I talk to people about is it's it's really not critical that you have like a the set defined plan because I've seen that 100% of the time uh, plans change post exit. You know, you think you know what you're go- what it's going to be like. You think you know how you're going to respond. You have new people in charge of your business. It's your baby. You've grown it. Now you need to find things to do. Your social circle is changing a little. But what I recommend people do is really point in a direction that yeah, I think this is what I would like to do. But, but at least have that direction and then be ready to adapt once you're, you know, once you do exit. But you really need to think about it. Otherwise, you're, it's highly likely you're going to be very disappointed and have seller's remorse when you leave. Yeah. And, and, and here's the other thing is that just speaking very honestly, I think that the whole COVID thing uh, over the last couple of years has really opened some eyes uh, to when people were working remotely and uh, maybe both spouses were working remotely. Uh, mm-hmm. When you're around your spouse all the time, it's a big change. And, and, and <laughs> it I, is, yes. I, I say that, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, but here's the thing is my wife and I have had jobs where we worked together basically 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365. There is an adjustment period when you're together that much. And when you're talking about, you know, what plans you have and what's your next great adventure, that is a discussion you have as a couple, right? I yeah, mean, for sure. Because like you said, you can only play so much golf, you can only watch so much TV, and the honey-do list only goes so long until it's it's just tedious and tiresome. So there's got to be an adventure that, that you launch into, and your spouse has to be a part of that in some way, shape, or form, because otherwise it's just going to be difficult. You just don't want that. Yeah, and like I have a client who he was a CEO of a of a nonprofit in the health mental health care world and mm-hmm. also he's an artist and so when he was leaving he had this direction he was pointing at because I'm going to really focus on my art and it's it's 2 years later it's dramatically changed but he's now opening up a gallery. Oh um, wow. Yeah, and so it's it's just pretty neat to watch that happen. He didn't know what it would look like when he focused on his art. But um, and it certainly changed directions from what he originally thought. But he had he knew where he was going. I guess is the point, and that, that mm-hmm. art would be his focus. And it's it's just fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. All right, what is the third question? So number three is you know think about the obstacles um, that could derail you know your business or personal goals in the coming years. And I always say to um, sometimes to my wife's Nancy chagrin or my kids, I'm like, you know, unfortunately. To some extent, I got paid to think of really bad things that could happen, you know. And unfortunately, I've seen a lot of really bad things mm-hmm. that can happen. And so I'm not saying be negative. I'm not at all. But what I'm just recommend people think about is, you know, think about your health. Think about your family. What are the things that could derail? You know, so if you have a family business where you have kids in the business, maybe kids not in the business, that whole process of figuring out how you're going to exit, that could be derailed by family, personal, you know, interpersonal relationships with family. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in episode, I think, 80, we talked about valuing with the Switzerland discount or the hub and spoke. You know, how can the how will the business be impacted or what obstacles will be in the way if you, as the business owner, are doing everything or if your company is just 
completely reliant on maybe one of your key people or one of your key vendors. So, you know, make a list and really think about what are the obstacles that could derail the my plans um, so that you can at least address them and be ready for them if, it, if and they actually do happen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and I would encourage anybody to go back and listen to that because that was a great episode. A lot of really, really good points. Yeah. So number four is, you know, what role does your business need to play in helping you achieve your financial freedom? So what most business owners I work with, um, you know, they, they have an idea of what kind of after-tax cash flow they need, but at the same time, oftentimes they're using the business, they're not using the business, but the, the business becomes a mix of business and personal uh, cash flow, right? So maybe you're going on a trip, maybe you're doing things like that, and, and the psychological uh, power or, or knowing that you have, you can always like tap into the business as your safety net is just a very common theme that I see among business owners. And that changes obviously when you sell it, you know, mm-hmm. or when you exit. So, you know, you, you just have to figure out, you know, what role does it, does it, does the business play now? How can I maybe clean that up and separate the business from my personal, you know, in anticipation of exiting? Um, and then really focus on what is that after-tax cash flow I need so that when I sell the business, I really won't have to rely on or think that I need to rely or go back somehow and have remorse that I'm not able to access you know, some of that cash or that safety net. Mm-hmm. So it's psychological, but it, it's a really important thing that they think about um, because it, it really dictates how they're, how they're able to achieve financial freedom. Hey, Tim, one thing that I, I know that I've, I've spoken to other uh, advisors and other people in my circles, and I know that switching from the mentality of being an earner to a spender, right, when, when you move from you know, working to not working is, is really difficult for a lot of people because they, they've spent so many years earning and now they're spending the money that's in those accounts and it, it can be kind of scary. I would assume that that actually gets a, magnified as business owners. It really does. And, you know, I always joke with clients, and but it's true. I should have taken more psychology and less accounting in college. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I will tell you from experience that 100% of the time, it's a problem. Especially, in the you know, for some of my clients, I've seen it take a year. Some It takes two years to really get comfortable with. I've always been adding, adding, investing, mm-hmm. saving, accumulating. And now I'm withdrawing. And there's just a real uh, psychological change when that happens, and it takes a while for them to get used to it. I mean, the the first year to post exit or post retirement into retirement is um, is really psychologically challenging for many people. Not everyone. Some people just like Ooh, jumped into that one, love it, you know. But I've seen just a, a lot of people, especially business owners, it becomes a real challenge uh, for them to get acclimated to that. Yeah, I can imagine. So number five. Um, so what is your plan for your ownership interest for the business? Um, you know, so in other words, we've talked about this on many other podcasts. Do you have family in the business? Do you have key employees who are interested and able to take it over? Um, if they are, do they have the capital or how is that going to be worked out? Or, you know, do you need to look outside the business for like a competitor or a, a peer to make the acquisition or maybe a family office or, you know, private equity, things like that? So you really need to think, though, of, you know, what is your plan for for business? So, for example, I was talking yesterday to a client, they're in manufacturing, and they have two kids who are both in the business. And um, 
it's it's a challenge, like everything, to figure out, you know, what role each one plays, each of the children plays, who wants to buy and who can buy, you know, shares of stock long term. The the thing is that founders I find or the the parents I find very rarely have actually uh, are comfortable talking about it, you know, because they're really tough issues, right? You know, I want to treat my kids fairly. I love all my kids, but they're different, right? Some are better at different things. And the amount of procrastination um, that I see just because people haven't talked about it, that is really what creates the problems um, in general. And that's why I recommend, you know, that people really think about what they want to do with their ownership interests. And then more importantly, proactively start talking about it, you know, with the people who they think are going to, you know, want it. Yeah. And Tim, you've, you've spoken about communication on this podcast many, many times. And I know that you have resources uh, that can help folks do that and have that conversation. So at the end, I'm obviously I'm going to be asking you to give your contact information now, but I want the listener to understand that Tim has spoken about this many, many times. So you can find a lot of podcasts on this. Uh, but specifically, if you have questions, you need to be reaching out. Yeah, and like one example, I have a client where they don't have family who wants who you know wants to be in the business. Um, there's not really any outside competitors or uh, family offices or things like that who would be interested. And so, but they in their mind they always had the idea that their key people would. So when I said, "Well, have you talked to them?" And then they talked to them, and the <laughs> key people were like, "Not a chance." You know, I just no interest in that. So mm. talking about it, you know, I, I always visualize the iceberg. You know. Th- you see a very small part of the iceberg above the water. It's it's below the water that people generally don't want to talk about, but that's really the most important. Yeah, so absolutely. Understand what you want to do is number five. All right, number six. Number six would be, you know, which method or methods, you know, are you going to use to assess the value and, you know, how confident are you in the process? So what I find is most business owners and surveys support this don't really know what the business, what their business is worth. Many of uh, business owners have CPAs, attorneys, great professionals, but oftentimes they don't, either they're not willing to or they just don't, aren't aware that they can, you know, pay for evaluation. So again, this week I met with a client in manufacturing and they're, they were talking about how do we, how do we set up a business continuity plan? If the, in the event of like the, the, the kids pass away, in the event the parents pass away, what happens to the business? What happens to the shares? And I said, well, one of the starting points is really you got to know what the business is worth. Mm -hmm. So we have a process we use with a system called BizEquity. And with that system, we're able to give a pretty good range for what the business is worth. Um, And there's no cost, you know, to getting that. Or, and or, at some point, I always recommend that the client really get a full valuation where they may pay, you know, a CPA who is also like a CVA, uh, Certified Valuation Analyst, I think that's what the A stands for, mm-hmm. but um, they could come in and really for maybe five, six, seven thousand dollars, which is a lot, but they're going to give a full valuation, get a more accurate price, and more and more importantly, identify what those value drivers are. What are the things they could focus on in order to make the business even worth more when they do go to sell? So, it's critical that business owners think about how am I going to really understand what the value is? How am I going to get an independent perspective of that? Because business owners I talk to, and like I said, survey support, most don't really know what it's worth, and they generally have a opinion that's different from what reality is. I would say, mm-hmm. let's just say that nicely. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's 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 a, like you said, it's it's not cheap necessarily, but it's a, an incredible investment. 
Exactly. And I think the value is, you know, I, I really believe that people should get a certified uh, valuation, but oftentimes people don't appreciate or don't understand what the value would be. So at the very least, work with someone who can give you like a business value, biz equity type, mm-hmm. uh, good range. Yeah. All right. I think we're on number seven. So number seven is basically given, you know, who you, who, what your plans are, who the buyers might be, whether they're key employees, family, outside, you know, who are going to be the best leaders. So, you know, like in our firm, we have uh, four, four partners, including myself, you know, we're, we're, we're looking long-term to expand the partnership roles and, and, and encourage, you know, younger next generation to take over And the, the struggle or not the struggle, but the, one of the key things we think about, and I talk to business owners about is, you know, not everyone has the same skill set. There's some people who are fit really well in different chairs, uh, different operations, you know, financial part, business development, uh, customer service, but not all of them are going to be natural leaders who want to lead and who want to take on that role. So again, getting back to communication and just thinking about who's going to be the best leaders for the business when you exit. Because um, I do see, I have seen many instances, and you can read about many instances where you maybe have the right people, but the wrong people are in the leadership roles, and then it, the culture is just not good and it doesn't work out. Got it. Yeah, that makes and, a lot of sense. And in case like that, you know, there's a lot of different consulting firms, a lot of different systems and processes that you can use. We, we certainly have a list of options that we, re- we recommend to business owners, but you really need to bring in somebody independent to kind of help sift that out. And there's different systems to do that. Mm-hmm. All right. So number eight, you know, what, what do you think the business owners should ask, you know, what do you think will happen with your customers, vendors, employees, et cetera, you know, if something happens to you? And this gets back to that business continuity. So business continuity, you know, if you're a big corporation, you've got a whole probably a bench of people like Coca-Cola or some of these larger companies who are ready to step up and they're going through training processes. But in smaller companies, family business owner, business companies in particular, you typically don't have that, um, that bench, you know, bench training and coaching process. And so the question always becomes, well, if something happens to the key people, you know, if something happens to you as the business owner, the founder, do you have a plan in place? You know, I mentioned earlier, I was working with a company this week and that's, that's a real big issue. There's, like I said, two kids in the business, the parents, founders of, of the business. And if something happens to any of those three people, um, there's no plan in place for, you know, where do the shares go? Who owns this? Who owns that? You know, what's the succession plan, et cetera. So it's really, you know, we have a business continuity ebook that has a checklist that really kind of helps go through the questions they need to look at. But it's something you really have to think about because it happens more often than you would think. And, and this always, this part of it also goes back to what I've talked a lot about in podcasts, which is you really need to get the team involved, the, the, the client's team. So for example, in the case I've talked about the, that, you know, what we're doing is we're scheduling a meeting where the attorney, uh, the CPA, um, the insurance agent, myself, the founders, the kids, we're all going to be in a meeting, uh, some on Zoom, some in person really just to talk about, you know, the issues and kind of hash through it. And it'll take a while. It'll take several meetings. But the fact that we're having this first one, I think, is is great because you have to start it at some point. 
Yeah, and and I don't want to say it's a terrible example because I think it's actually a really good example, but do you remember the movie Tommy Boy? Yeah, yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. is it, It's a perfect example. You've got a father who is super charismatic, brilliant, knows how to run the business, and his son who's a complete idiot. And, and yeah. I'm not saying that <laughs> that's true for every business owner, but if you have somebody who's in that lead position who – who is the face of the company, right? The, the movie gives a perfect example because he, father passed away suddenly and then it was just a mad scramble to see if the business would even survive. Um, right. And, and it's, it's taken with a lot of humor, but that's the fact for many, many business owners out there, whether it's key employees or whether it's you know the owner or whether it's the, the, the children who are now the driving force, if something were to happen, you, you just don't know. You know, so to, to be prepared as it, again, I, I've heard you say that many, many times. I hope people pay attention and listen and at least watch that movie and then really see what could possibly happen, which is a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. And at least it's a very, it's a humorous version of, of, of a story that has a good ending. Oop, I just gave it away. But anyway, oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's actually, I had not thought of that as a movie that illustrates a lot of the concepts and strategies we talk about, but actually it really is a good example. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Number nice nine. Nice job, Eric. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so number nine. So this actually is a question that I like to ask business owners because um, I like to sift out what people have been, what, what what you thought about in the past, what you like or dislike about some of the advice you've gotten in the past, because that tells me kind of um, what your goals are, what your hesitations are, and maybe where we should try to direct some of the planning going forward. So the question is, you know, what, um, what suggestions, what planning suggestions, ideas, strategies have your other business advisors given you in, in the past? And so, for example, like I, oftentimes the, the CPA has talked about maybe tax strategies. Um, you know, when you sell the company, do you sell the stock in the company or do you sell the assets of the company? And taxation is, is miles different, you know, in terms of how the buyer and the seller you know, um, our assessed taxes. Um, then the banker, you know, I've run across a lot of times where the banker might come in and talk about an ESOP, you know, as, as maybe a strategy and employee stock ownership plan that they can finance and fund, you know, and the attorneys are very good, I think, in general at helping with the legal documentation of the estate plan, business continuity plan. But oftentimes they're, they do that and then there's no real collaboration beyond that. Um, like I can't tell you how many times I meet a client who has a trust, but nothing's in it because it just hasn't mm -hmm. been funded. Mm -hmm. So the point of, is that when I get a feel for what suggestions they've been given, what they liked and dislike, the next step is always, again, I'll go back to my, my standby, which is we need collaboration. Let's get everyone together in the room, whether it's nowadays via Zoom or in person. But let's get all the advisors in the room and really talk to the owner first about what their goals are, what they like and dislike, come up with a plan, like a, a series of plans, and then go and move forward. But again, I just think it's important that we hash out uh, what they've talked about in the past, what they liked and disliked, because then we kind of know where to go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Having that roadmap is, I mean, vitally important. And again, I know that you coordinate this kind of stuff, so mm -hmm. we'll be asking about contact info in just a moment. Uh, but before then, we're on number 10. Yeah, number 10. So I do ask, I, have, I ask clients to think about this, and I ask them to think about it, which is, 
you know, as a bottom line, what is, what's your greatest challenge when you think about planning for the future, when you think about planning for your exit? And I will say that most of the time, the majority of the time, let's say, uh, the owner's pretty straightforward in just saying my procrastination, you know, my, my inability, not inability, but my hesitation to really bring up um, the hard topics, the hard conversation, especially with family businesses, because, you know, you're having holidays and these are your kids and your parents and your cousins and, you know, they all, you all hang around and you're all related and you've got a lot of connections other than business. Um, so it's really like the psychology of it is more important. And I think the point is if I bring that out and we all acknowledge that procrastination is one of the reasons, you know, it's digging in deep to the, the bottom of that, um, that iceberg, mm -hmm. that at the very least they, they're aware of it and maybe, you know, we can at least push them, prod them forward to try and overcome that. But that would be my last question that I asked them is, you know, tell me what you think of as the greatest challenge and let's, let's hammer at that one first. Yeah. And I think that hesitation or procrastination is, is a lot of it's rooted in fear, wouldn't you think? It, it is. It, it you know, it, it's it very is very much is, especially when it's when there's uh, kids or you know the future generation taking over the business's family. Because as you know, Eric, I mean, each of your children are very different, different mm -hmm. skill sets, different fears, goals, etc. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes, families just don't want to bring all that stuff up. Yep, absolutely. Well, I, any closing thoughts for today? I mean, this was a great list, and I appreciate the time. Uh, besides the contact information, what do you got for closing thoughts? Yeah, so my biggest takeaway is, you know, build, building a business is very re rewarding. I've built a business. I love it. I love my team. I love my clients. I just, I, you know, I really look back with the success. Uh, I'm aware of all the, the highs and lows. It's an amazing process. It's an amazing thing. But when you're looking on looking to exit, or I should say, and when you're looking to exit, there's really critical things you need to really focus on, or you're not going to successfully exit. You're not, the business won't survive. So I just wanted to point out these, what I call 10 questions that everyone should think about, a business owner should think about, because I think what I my goal is to get people ready to exit and kind of take the first step towards the best part of their life. Perfect. Tim, thank you so much for your time today. Again, now the big question, somebody going through this list going, okay, I, there's three of these that I really need to focus on, three of these questions I really need to you know, have a hard ask for myself, um, and they want to go through that with you. How do they get a hold of you? They can always call me at 219-531-4941 or send me an email at tscannell at hightoweradvisors.com. Fantastic. Again, Tim, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Appreciate it, Eric. You bet. And our last thank you always goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the WellStream podcast with Tim Scannell. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Hightower Great Lakes, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.
Thank you for listening to the WealthStream podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors LLC. 